Lord, come here and help us to worship in a way that we can never worship in our flesh. Uh, come, Holy Spirit, and um, help us worship uh, in spirit and in truth, in ways that glorify God and honor Him. Bring the Word alive among us and help us, dear God, to give ourselves to You, not only our tithes and offerings as we dedicate them to the expansion of Your kingdom, but our hearts and our minds and our wills to do with it as You want, as living sacrifices, which is our acceptable form of worship. So be with us now and lead us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to take a few moments uh, in our worship of Christ to publicly thank Him for answered prayer. Last week, uh, we as a body prayed prayers of supplication for others. And so it's only appropriate, especially in, the, in light of the sermon uh, this morning, to take some time um, and just allow some of you to come forward to each of these microphones and pray a prayer. This isn't a testimony time to the congregation. This is a thanksgiving to God. So pray a prayer of thanksgiving for some prayer he's answered for you. Uh, now, it could, it could uh, start like this. Thank you, God, for answered prayer. And then give a few uh, uh, lines of just how he's answered a prayer for you in your life, either recently or a longstanding prayer. Now, as you come forward um, um, and you get to the microphone, look at me and, and I will nod when it's your turn, okay, so that you know you can go ahead. All right? Let's take some time, and, and those of you who are led by the Spirit and want to do that, just come forward at this time. Abba, Father, I thank you for answered prayer. I thank you for the Playmaker's class so that I can still be a mother and a maker and worship and praise you with the gifts you've given me. In Jesus' name. Amen. All praise and glory to our Heavenly Father who answers prayers. I praise you, for Lord Father, for remembering our long, long prayers for the return of our prodigal son. And I praise you that he has come back to us. Glory be to God. Amen. I praise you, Father, for working in my daughter's life. I praise you, Lord, that you have touched April in a very special way. And she has lived on her own for several years now. And I've just seen you miraculously touch her, Lord, and bring her so close to you. Thank you, Father, for sending her to her grandparents this weekend to attend church with them. Mm. Praise Amen. You, Amen. Thank you, Father, for answered prayer. Thank you for looking after my daughter during surgery this past Thursday and giving us the best possible results from the surgery. We praise your name. Amen. Thank everyone who held her up in prayer. Amen. It takes a lot of us seeing that soul and things when I get in that way and a friend help me carry out. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for in my trials and tribulations, you are fighting the battle for me, Lord. And I thank you for what you're doing in my family. Amen. Amen. 
I thank you, Jesus, for everything. I thank you for being alive this morning. I thank you for these brothers and sisters at the church. Keep praying for me to be cool. Thank God. Amen. Well, Lord, we do thank you as your people. We love you. We love to see you moving among us. And we ask you to give us revelation to see the ways you are moving among us that we have not yet seen. Father, all of us stand together and thank you for um, the resolution of the UPS strike uh, that we prayed about last week. We thank you uh, for such a quick answer, and we thank you that those families will now be provided for. And we continue to watch you move among us as we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as you know, we are studying in this year of holiness the greatest sermon on holiness ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. And we're going through it verse by verse to see what our Lord would teach us about holiness. And of late, He has been teaching us about prayer through the model prayer, the prayer that most of us have called uh, all our lives the Lord's Prayer. And we have prayed it as a wonderful prayer per se, which it is. But Jesus said, as you pray, pray after this manner or like this. So it's also a model prayer. And we've broken it down really into three components, uh, three essentials for any prayer. The first essential comes when we say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed or holy, other, different, be your name or your nature. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In that beginning, we have a good way to start any prayer with not only a reverence of who God is, but a recognition of how radical a solution we need. Thy kingdom come. We need an inbreaking of his kingdom. We don't need him to remind us of the resources we already have. We need something from him that is radically different. So it's a good idea to go to God and say, God, I need something only you can give me because of your nature so different than mine. And then it's good just to be able and have permission to ask for what we need. Give us this day our daily bread, our physical needs. God loves that. Uh, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, our emotional and spiritual needs. It's good to understand that it's okay, no, it's preferable to recognize your need of God. You know, everyone needs God. There's there's only one difference between Christians and non-Christians. All of us have the same level of need. It's just Christians who say, who admit it, who say, I need God. I flat out, I, I say it with my, I need you. Can't go anywhere, can't do it. I need you. I need you to fix me. Now, I've never met a non-needy person. It's a person that didn't need anything in my whole life. I've met a few who didn't think they needed anything. And those are people, people who needed more than, but, but we're, we're with the group. We're, we're here because we've admitted that, we haven't, that we've fallen short of the glory of God. So that's the good news. And, and, and of course, then we... And now, here's the third part. This is no great 
intellectual sermon. This is a, just a friendly reminder. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. The third part of any prayer, after we've admitted and asked God to fill our needs, is to realize our problem isn't solved at the end of our prayer. The battles go on. God will provide in response to our prayer. But that doesn't solve all our problems. As soon as we go out, we're going to be tested. At the end of the prayer, Jesus said, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from you. You're going to have more battles. Here it comes. It's the nature of the world. When we got kicked out of Eden, it was the nature of the world. There were even temptations in Eden. So the nature of the world is to understand that we have a series of ongoing battles. It says this in Matthew chapter 26, verse 41. Jesus is saying this to Peter. Peter was Jesus' strongest and weakest disciple. He was kind of like Babe Ruth, hit more home runs, but had more strikeouts than anybody else. And so here he is talking to Peter, and he says this, Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Our condition here is one of testing. You know, it's ironic that in our flesh we keep waiting for the age or the stage of life where the pressure will be off. You know, every, everyone, you know, if I can just get here, whew, man, I'll have it made. Do you realize you've been doing that since you were a little kid? I, I mean, literally, when you, were, when you were young, you said, man, if I can just give me about a 10 or 12-year-old, those are the big kids. Those are the, like the upper elementary kids. Then I'll have some, you know, when you got that age, what do you think? When I get 16, I'm going to have life made because I'll be able to drive. And when you can drive, life is solved. <laughs> then you got to be 16. And it was all right. But you kept thinking, man, I still got these restrictions. You know, parents are telling me what to do. They're always saying, when I get out of the house, man, I'm going to have it made. When I get out on my own, it's going to be so cool. Nobody telling me what to do anymore. And you got out there. <laughs> Everybody was telling you what to do. <laughs> and you're just trying to do enough of it that you could get enough money to live. And you know what? It was so lonely. And so you started thinking, if I just get married, all my problems will be solved. <laughs> yes, sir, Bob. I'll have somebody to love me and just devote their entire life to tell me how wonderful I am every day. I can't wait. And then you got married to someone who had the gall to have some needs of their own. And they were kind of expecting you to pitch in on those. Now, some of you said, well, okay, all right, all right, okay. I tell you what, though, will really make my life complete. And I, I think we'll really kind of, you know, do the Ozzy and Harriet Nelson thing. We'll just have kids. That'll solve it. Because those little kids are going to be so cute. 
and they'll come up to and they'll have this little fresh face and curly hair and they'll and so you had kids and they're sucking you dry (laughs) they don't mean it there's nothing wrong with them that's just the nature of a kid I mean, when they're little, there is nothing as physically exhausting in this world as having a little kid. I mean, you're running there. I cannot remember a time in my life when we were as tired, especially back, as when we had little kids. So you think, well, maybe when they get older, that'll solve it. (laughs) Maybe when they get to be teenagers, you know. Well, it's just the form of drain that changes. It's not so physically exhausting anymore. It's emotionally and intellectually exhausting. Because you've got to make all these decisions. And so you think, well, gosh, when they get out of the house and on their own, we just won't have to worry about it anymore. Uh. (laughs) See, all our lives, we've been looking for that sweet spot, that retirement age. Some of us thought, well, when you get 50, you know, 50, 60 years old, you're going to be financially independent and, 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 and have nothing to worry about. But maybe, maybe I'll be, by, by that time, a president of the company. I probably ought to be a president of the company. And you're 50 years old right now. Same financial shape you were when you were 20. And you just realize you'd probably never be president. And, and so you're thinking, maybe if I bought a sports car, I'd feel better. <laughs> But a lot more likely, you're tending to think, well, if I could just retire, you know, and while there's still some Social Security out there, maybe I can, maybe I could. See, the problem is, it never ends. There is no sweet spot, except when we get home with Jesus. There are inbreakings of some sweet spots of the kingdom. There are some evidences of the kingdom. But life is a series of battles. And to think anything else makes us a poor judge of what life is all about. It's so important for us to understand testing. It's so important for us to understand the amount and the intensity of the testing so that we are not surprised. Teddy Roosevelt had a little dog. And that dog was the most cantankerous, pugilistic, Everything, every dog came by, he wanted to take that dog on. And that dog would regularly get the stuffings beat out of him. And one day, someone looked at him and said, Colonel Roosevelt, well, that dog's not much of a fighter. And Teddy said, well, actually, he's a good fighter. He's just a poor judge of other dogs. We're good fighters. We're just sometimes a poor judge of what we're taking on here. We, don't, we underestimate it. And we think that somehow, if we get this problem solved, everything will be solved. That's what, not, not what Jesus said. He said, pray that you don't enter into temptation. Now, here's something pretty tricky theologically. God builds character by testing. It says in James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. By the way, there's a typo in your sermon outlines. There is no James 12. It's James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. This is God's method. It says this, 
Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance... Now, this is a passive thing. If you, if you make it through these, these trials will bestow upon you endurance. It's just like running every day. You build up, it's just a result, it's a byproduct of lasting. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And so it's therefore, let endurance have its perfect result that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So God builds us by testing. It says in Scripture that the Spirit led Jesus, Matthew 4.1, led Jesus into the wilderness to be tested. The Greek word is also tempted. Now it's foggy here, and it's foggy for a purpose. Nobody can exactly translate that word, and I believe it's for a purpose, because the same thing can build you up or take you down. God chooses to build us by testing. I love the poem that says, when God wants to drill a man and thrill a man and skill a man, when God wants to mold a man to play the noblest part, when God yearns in his heart to create so great and bold a man that all the world shall be amazed. Watch his methods. Watch his ways. How he ruthlessly perfects whom he royally elects. I love that. Hate the thought, but I love the poem. Because it is scripturally true, God puts us to the test. But here's what we need to watch. Lead us not into temptation. There's an end of that test where we know perfectly well what temptation is. Just take the wilderness and the garden scenes, just two scenes. And the devil tries to tempt Jesus and Adam and Eve in the same way. And this is the way. You know, there's an easy answer to this. You don't really have to follow God. There's a shortcut. There's a shortcut. The devil said to Jesus, turn the stones into bread. Jump from the temple. <laughs> Fall down, worship me. I give you everything. You don't have to follow God. There's an easier answer. You can do it yourself. At that moment, a test becomes a temptation. The serpent said, I'm not going to die. This will give you wisdom. And Eve thought in her mind, I have to follow God on this thing. He's not getting me as much wisdom as I want, as fast as I want. I can take a shortcut here. Listen to this. Anytime you find yourself thinking, I can answer my needs without following God, you have just entered into temptation. Jesus says, Lead us not there. Don't let us go there, God. Don't let us even begin to think that I, we can answer our problems without following you, that there's some other easy answer. 
but deliver us from evil. Now, this is, the, this, this is, this is so important. Our job <laughs> is to watch for the deliverance of God. Just as Andy said, our job is not to achieve. Our job is to be faithful enough to stand before God because that's is the battle is the Lord's. And our job is to watch Him deliver us. Deliver us from evil. In other words, you're the only one that can do it. We recognize this. You're the one that can do this. And the character of God is to love to do it. In Isaiah chapter 46, verse 4, it says this. Even to your old age, I shall be the same. Now, now, now this is important. We don't depend on our, how well we deserve deliverance for, for God to do that. We don't depend. You know, some of you feel like you're, you're kind of wearing out God. Well, I've kind of, I've got so many wishes here. It's kind of like the genie in the bottle thing. You know, I've got, you get so many wishes and then your time's up. And, and, and some of you have said, you know, I've asked God for so much. I've gone to him 15 times this week. He's got to be running short here. He's got to be, there's something wrong and I can't ask him again and again without him going, enough already. Can't you do anything on your own? No. The character of God is deliverance. Look what it says. Even to your old age, I shall be the same. This is my character. Even to your graying years, thank you, God. I shall, he doesn't get tired. He doesn't get old. I shall bear you. I have done it. I shall carry you. I shall bear you. I shall deliver you. Now, here's, here's key. When you realize that life's a series of battles... I watched, <laughs> I saw a little Ziggy cartoon one time. I like Ziggy. And he's in his little car. And there's a road sign that said, Road to Success. And he went down a little bit. And there's another road sign that says, Be prepared to pay the tolls. That's pretty good. The road to success always has tolls, always sucks us dry. But when you realize that, here's what else we must realize. That God will carry you. This is not a limited warranty. If you can last, if you can get up, your job is just to get up and show up. If you wake up every day and you look around, there's no chalk line around your body. <laughs> your only job is just to get up. That's it. Put your socks on. Brush your teeth a little bit. Thank you. And then go out among them. That's your faithfulness is your job. Show up. Deliverance, solving your own problem is not your job. Some of you have gone through the same problem so many times that you think that somehow you ought to be doing something different. Now, there are things that all of us ought to learn from our problem. We can learn from every problem we have. Somebody once said uh, a problem is just a uh, uh, a puzzle piece to the solution. So we can always learn something. But there are circumstances beyond your control. And, and some of you are so fed up, you're just about ready to give up right now. You think this thing's never going to get solved. Some of you, And it's the same issue every day. Boom, 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 every day. I heard a story once about a guy who... who uh, uh, there, was a, there was a tornado came through town. 
He had just built a building. He was a construction guy. Built a building, and, and the tornado blew, blew some uh, uh, bricks off the top of this building. Didn't, didn't harm it. Blew some bricks off. So it was a holiday, and he, he didn't want to ask anybody to help him, so he, he thought he'd fix it himself. And so he rigged up a pulley and, uh, and uh, climbed up a ladder, rigged up a pulley, came back down, put, put some bricks in a, in a barrel, and hauled them up, you know, and, and secured the line, climbed up and dumped the bricks out, and then called. He did that about three, three, four times. Crawled up there, fixed the thing, and it took many fewer bricks than he thought it would. And so he loaded all of these bricks that were left over back into that barrel, kind of a heaping deal there. And he crawled back down, and he, he unsecured the, the line, and and he felt the immediate weight. And he thought, oh, my goodness, you know, this thing's heavier than I am. And by the time he tried, kept trying to hold it down, and by the time he discovered that that barrel was much heavier than he was, he was so far off the ground he couldn't let go. But here he goes up this rope, and the barrel's coming down. He's just watching this thing come right toward him. And sure enough, it knocked right into him. I mean, boom, and he swung out, and it hurt, kind of hurt his shoulder. And he went all the way to the top, and he banged his head on the pulley and pinched his fingers in it, and, and, and banged his head on the beam, pinched his fingers in the pulley. And, and, and by the time that happened, the barrel had crashed, and all the, all the, drip, the, the bricks dropped out. Now he was heavier than the barrel. So here he goes back down, hanging on the same rope, watching this thing come for him 100 miles an hour. And sure enough, it banged into his legs, just cut his legs a ton. And, 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 but it couldn't do anything, he just hung on to the rope, slammed into the bricks. As soon as he did that, he let go of the rope. Here it comes again. Now, some of you are going through this barrel experience. <laughs> it's the same thing. You just can't, I mean, up or down, you can't get away from this thing. It just keeps hitting you. I want to tell you, keep showing up. Keep showing up for your family. Keep showing up for your work. Keep showing up. Do it, do it. Just, just keep showing up. God will get you through this. He wants you to know that. He wants you to know that. It's very important for us to understand that... Well, we'll turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. This is, this is really cool. 2 Corinthians verse 9 says this, Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves in order that we should not trust in ourselves. But in God who raises the dead, that'd be us. We were dead in our trespasses. You see, the key here is that you have to see the pattern of God. Just as you cannot pay for your own salvation, it's simply the grace of God. It's a, it's a gift to you. You are no more able. I am no more able to live my life successfully by myself as I was to save myself. It's the same pattern. And we need God just as much. And so just as we must depend on His grace for salvation, so we must depend on His grace for the life that He has for us, for the abundant life. And it says, We did not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a peril of death, and will deliver us, He on whom we have set our hope 
and He will yet deliver us. My natural reaction, maybe yours is this way too, my natural reaction to failure or to frustration is to try harder. It is. I must not be doing something right. I'm going to try harder because it's just my fault. I'm not putting enough effort into this thing. That's why I'm a horrible golfer. But I, I, my, uh, uh, I, I hate golf. I hate it. Because, and there's only one person in this world that can get me out on a golf course, and that's my son Josh, because he's the only person I want to be with enough to humiliate myself like that. <laughs> so, for the first time in like eight months or a year, uh, Josh said, Come on, Dad, let's go out and play, play a round of golf. So, I was out on a golf course, you know, just humiliate myself again. And, uh, um, but about two holes in there, I actually hit the ball, and it actually went toward the hole. <laughs> and one hole, I got par. Now, as soon as I got par, I thought, what's so tough about this game? <laughs> you know, everybody gripes about this game. It's not tough. You know, this is my fourth time out. I got par. You know, what's so tough about this? Well, you, you golfers know as soon as you say that what happens, don't you? So, it's, you know, I just began whiffing it and, you know, shooting it and digging in the divots and the, and the thing. And my reaction was, you know, the problem here is I'm just not swinging hard enough. And when I got all tense and just started swinging as hard as I could, if I ever did hit it, it'd fly 100 miles. Josh said, Pop, Dad, Dad, now remember, in golf, the harder you try, the worse you are. You got to keep trying, but you got to loosen up here. And when you loosen up and you keep trying, you'll get better. I want to tell you the same thing about your lives. You got to loosen up a little bit here. The harder you try, the worse you're going to get. You know what? You're getting all tense. Are things getting better because you're tense? No, of course not. Are you, are you not trying as hard as you can? Sure you are. Don't try any harder. You just got to keep going. Doesn't mean you quit, but you got to loosen up, show up, do whatever you can, but then leave the rest of God. You know why? Well, Jesus told us why. Because thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. You see, when we get intimidated with life, it's important to understand that God intervenes for us, for you. And he does it in such a way that he gives you enough confidence to rely upon him in other things. If I could do anything this morning, I'd just be the voice to you of the Holy Spirit that says, you know what? It's okay. We're going to do this thing. We're going to do this thing. I remember a story um, about Maxie Dunham. Some of you know that name. He's one of the most famous preachers in the United States. And he remembers when he was just a young preacher going into his first church. He's kind of scared, a little skinny guy. And I, and I remember going into my first church, how intimidated I was. When you go into a small church, you have several owners of the church. You know, we had those, didn't we, Beck? We had, had a small church and there were several, and especially some of the stronger women, kind of. And they give you this. I've had people say this to me before. Preacher, just want you to know 
I was here before you got here. I'll be here when you're, le- when you're gone. <laughs> In other words, don't try anything fancy. This is our church, not yours. So I was very intimidated. And that was Maxie, Maxie was too. He was very intimidated. But there was this one grandma he loved to call on. Grandma Sudley was her name. She was a very old lady. And when he was out making her rounds, he'd, he'd call on her more often than anybody because she was so affirming to him as a pastor, as a young pastor. And he'd sit down and Grandma Sudley would say, how them women in the church treating you, preacher? He'd say, they're after me, Grandma. <laughs> She'd say, well, I'm not. I'm glad you're here. You're my pastor. I needed to talk with you. So they'd talk a little while and She'd say, well, pastor, you pray for me. I need you to pray for me. You're my pastor. So he'd pray and, you know, just kind of get enough courage to go out and face some other people as a pastor because he'd been affirmed. Well, he got a message um, at one point that uh, Grandma Sudley was was dying. And the, the feeling in him was so indescribable because he loved this woman but he's so intimidated because he loved her and he didn't know what to do with a dying person. He'd never been in a room with a dying person before. And, and I can tell you as a pastor, that's a very intimidating thing the first time you do it. And so he, the family called him up, asked him to come out. And so he goes out and he's kind of hoping he doesn't have to see her. But he gets at the house and all the family's gathered outside her bedroom door. And he thinks to himself, well, well this is good. Maybe I can just talk with them and comfort them. But about that time, a nurse opens the door and comes up out of the room and comes out of the room and he's, she looks right at him and said, Pastor, she'll see you now. And he looks at the nurse and he said, me? <laughs> the nurse said, you're the pastor, aren't you? Yeah. Well, he goes in and her eyes are closed. And he's thinking to himself, oh, good. Maybe I can just say a silent prayer and leave. He goes up beside the bed. And as soon as he's up beside the bed, she just looks up at him. She reaches out her hand, little skinny hand, and puts it on top of his. She knows how scared he is. She looks at him and said, Pastor, I'm going to be leaving pretty soon. He said, I know. She said, I'm tired. He said, I know. She looked up and she said, I've never died before. <laughs> he said, I know. He said, I've, I've never been with anybody who dies, died before. She said, I know. <laughs> and he was quiet for a minute. And she looked at him and said, why don't you let me pray this time? He said, okay. And she just prayed a real simple prayer. She said, Father, let me go be with Jesus. Take care of my boy. He's been a good pastor to me. Amen. When she got done, he was crying. And she looked up at him and said, Preacher, we're both going to make it. You tell them out there, we're both going to make it. If I could, if I could say anything to you this morning or be a vessel for the Holy Spirit to speak in your heart, I want to tell you something. You're going to make it. 
with Jesus Christ, there's just no doubt. I know you've got a lot of people out there telling you the opposite and a lot of circumstances telling you the opposite. I want to give you some good news. His is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. It's real easy to underestimate that. The whole world has underestimated that. I mean, they're all, they're all out there thinking, we're the weak ones in here. And they're right. But God's the strong one in here. I remember reading a Hagar the Horrible cartoon one time. I like this little fat Viking guy. I kind of identify with this guy. <laughs> little fat Viking guy. And in this cartoon, he's surrounded by an entire army. There's four of these people, like hiding behind a rock. Hagar and three of his friends. And they're shouting to him, We've got you entirely surrounded. There are 10,000 of us and only four of you. And a little guy pops up and he goes, Good, they're overconfident. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know what? The world kind of makes fun of the church, but they're overconfident. They don't understand. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. They don't understand that God's going to pull us through this thing. We just keep showing up. And he's just going to keep having a victory. And some way or other, he's going to use us to bless people. We've just got to understand this. God's going to do this deal. And we're not only going to watch his deliverance of us from the evil one, we're going to watch him use such as we are to bless someone else. One story, and then I'll quit. I, I, I heard, uh, uh, I love this. Three Rivers High School in Michigan. This hap actually happened uh, in 1993, just after the Supreme Court uh, declared that there would be no prayer, no recognition of God at graduating exercises. And so the entire senior class, 95 of them, got together, and they had this plan. They got up and they went through graduation, each one of them getting his diploma. And the last one to get his diploma, as soon as he was handed his diploma, sneezed very loudly. And the entire senior class stood up and with one voice said, God bless you. <laughs> We're going to find a way. Doesn't matter what the circumstances are. We're going to find a way to bless people. Pray with me. I tell you what, let's just pray his prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and power and glory forever. Amen.